Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 7.36 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 2nd of June, 2021. This is episode 430. Good God of Bitcoin. And yeah, it's late today. I know. I know. Here's what happened. Alarm went off at 5 o'clock in the morning as per usual. And the very first thing that happened was a giant rolling wave of thunder blew over. And it was an amazing sound. And one of the things, it's my favorite things in the world, is being in bed, sleeping, either going to sleep or waking up to thunder and lightning and rain. Because we don't get it that often in West Texas. We, we just don't. Although this year is slightly different. It looks like the drought is not going to occur this year, for at least for us here in the Midwest, because we've had rain from the Canadian border all the way down to the Mexican border and all the way across to the Mississippi for like the last, I don't know, four weeks at least or something like that. Somebody somewhere, you know, west or east of the Rocky Mountains is getting rain and it's nice. So I just went back to bed (laughs) just because I could, man. Uh, It was, it. thunder has this weird, you know, kind of like sleep, uh, thing for me, it just knocks me the f out, and so I was like going, "Oh hell no!" This is just—it was all dark and gray, and thunder and lightning was going on, and rain, and man, I just—I—I I just couldn't. So I figured you guys would cut me a break, um, and I appreciate that. But the show must go on, so even if it's late, so here—here here it is. And let's start with this. And I don't quite know what to think about this just yet. Let's get into it. Casey's writing it for Bitcoin Magazine. Electric vehicle capable of mining Bitcoin has been announced. The Daymark is accepting pre-orders for the car, which will be capable of mining Bitcoin utilizing solar technology. (laughs) Okay, well, well, let's see. The Daymark Spiritus will be the first automobile capable of mining Bitcoin, according to a news release by the automaker. A patent-pending technology would be the first of its kind, marking a major milestone in the innovation surrounding the Bitcoin mining industry. Quote, Every Spiritus vehicle will be a node on the blockchain and will include Day... uh, Oh, sorry, Daymac, not Daymark, Daymac. Will include Daymac Nebula Miner and Nebula Wallet, states the release. The combination of technological advancement in the automobile, renewable energy, and Bitcoin is an absolute testament to the extraordinary pace at which we are developing. End quote. <clears throat> the release reads quote, We envision a future where your highway tolls, your parking, and your drive through order will be paid directly on the fly with. Crypto, end quote. 
I personally believe that this is an admirable vision for the future and is extremely bullish in terms of the level of innovation that we can expect to see from the industry going forward. With a slight chagrin, we can look back at this previous post on Bitcoin Magazine titled, What Does the Energy <clears throat> Future of Energy Hodl? An essay on the potential for Tesla to utilize its own renewable energy to mine Bitcoin and see that another automaker or sorry, automaker entirely has taken on this mission. What is curious to ponder is whether or not other automo, auto, auto, automakers will begin to feel pressure to implement this technology themselves and those who do become customers of Bitcoin mining capable vehicles literally profit from ownership. This breakthrough is a prime example of the incentive structures Bitcoin presents and is a perfect example of a response to energy, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Okay, so there you go. There's the, there's the press release in a, in a nutshell from Casey. Um, I'm not sure what to think about this. Because honestly, how much mining do you think that this vehicle is actually going to be able to be capable of? with, you know, a solar panel. I mean, okay, the endeavor is is admirable. I will give it that. However, we're we're, you know, we're looking at at an industry that, you know, the mining industry is one of the most competitive industries that there is in the world right now. And I'm not sure what a single car is going to be able to do to support mining. Although, you know, I mean, cuz I mean, here, the, the questions abound. Is it doing it on the fly? I mean, like, is it, is it going to be mining while you're on a turnpike somewhere or on the M5 or on Interstate 20? I mean, you know, <clears throat> if so, then what's its communication channel? Is it uplinked to Blockstream satellite channels somehow? I mean, is it through mesh network? Is it over cell phone? you got to ask these questions as to how, I mean, if, okay, if it's parked, I get that because you could, you know, park it at your house. It's going to be connected to your Wi-Fi. You go to work, you park it at work. You're probably connected to you. You could probably connect it up to your works Wi-Fi. If it's reaching that far out into the parking lot, that stuff I get. I mean, but honestly, how, you know, even when it's parked, how much mining can a single, you know, node or mining node actually perform in the face of today's mining industry? I mean, like I said, <clears throat> the endeavor is, is admirable, honestly, because if this, if the Daymac really does start getting sold in, in kind of droves, well, you got something. And if the Daymac people were smart, really, really smart, they'd have their own mining pool. You get my drift. If they have enough, you know, mining nodes via their cars on the network, I could see that. And that would actually make a lot of sense. And honestly, how much community development could be done that way? I mean, community around the car. You know, like uh, Prius, you, there was a skit a long time ago when Saturday Night Live was still kind of funny where they had, <clears throat> they had people that had just bought a Prius come home and they were talking to their wives or husbands or whatever about the Prius. There's knock on the door and there's two people in suits asking if they have read the book of Prius. And they're like, what's that? And they're like, the owner's manual. And it was demonstrating that Prius has 
especially had, and I don't know about anymore, but there was like a, a community developing around that car. So it would be interesting to see if the same thing happens here. We won't know for a while. And I also don't know if this thing's going to take off or not. I mean, automobile manufacturing and sales is also a, a cutthroat business. So, you know, we're, we've got a, we've got a company that's going after not one, but two cutthroat business models. So we'll have to see now <clears throat> Bitcoin is Batman. Brady Dale has uh, this one from Coindesk. According to philosopher Craig Warmke, Bitcoin is basically Batman. Well, I may be taking a bit of a liberty with Wamak's statement. The assistant professor of philosophy at Northern Illinois University and a member of the crypto-oriented research collective Resistance Money has a forthcoming paper that contends Bitcoin is a collective story that all participants in the network participate in writing. We are all endlessly discussing what is Bitcoin, and it doesn't appear that even the maximalists have settled on a consensus answer. Warmock's or Warmock's what have Warm Warmkey's conception of Bitcoin as a collective fiction is, if nothing else, novel in the corpus of explanations. Note that the argument here isn't saying Bitcoin is like a story. He is saying it is a story one that happens to also have value in the real world, this isn't so hard to understand as we'll see. Bitcoin is a story and Bitcoin is the story's main subject. As stories go, it's pretty boring. It's the story of new Bitcoin getting issued and then moving from one wallet to another forever. The plot is Bitcoin moves around within Bitcoin, scintillating. The Bitcoin network uses writing or code to describe something with no external correspondence, and yet it still has value, and that's fiction. As Warmke puts it toward the end of the paper, quote, if the chunk of code in the Bitcoin blockchain that describes a movement of Bitcoin is not itself that movement, where does the movement, i.e. the transaction, take place? Nowhere, or everywhere, depending on how you think of it. Bitcoin is a fictional substance, end quote. <clears throat> in his conception, Miners are publishers and nodes are referees. Wallet owners have the right to write, but only so long as they have some fictional Bitcoin to compose a sentence about. And the only thing that sentence can say is how much Bitcoin is going to a certain wallet. So let me give you my way of thinking about Warmke's paper by way of the Caped Crusader. It helps to explain why Bitcoin is like Batman. Batman is also a fictional object within a story. It is an extremely valuable story, in fact. The 1989 Batman sparked a global pop culture sensation and netted over $400 million at the box office. The Dark Knight film tri trilogy was worth $2.5 billion in revenue to Warner Brothers at the box office alone, and that's just recent proceeds just from the films. The Caped Crusader has been printing money for its owners across books, toys, and other media since 1939. Beat that, Satoshi. What non-comic book fans may not realize is that Batman's value has persisted in part because his story keeps growing, much like Bitcoin's. The Batman story continues each month, all over the pages of DC Comics, where he appears an impossible number of times in numerous titles, new bits of story coming out every week. Bob Kane and Bill Finger are credited with inventing Batman, but his legend has grown as countless writers, artists, and editors add to the massive Bitmo Bit 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 Bat Batman mythology. 
Each Batman story effectively becomes a bit of real history. In fact, every single thing that happens in any DC comic is part of the history of the world that Batman lives in, and those histories frequently bleed into each other. Once a DC superhero comic book is published, it becomes a canon, and any other writer can pick up where that story left off, even if done in the pages of a whole other title. The term of art in, <clears throat> in comics for this is continuity. It's another way of saying history of a fictional world. In other words, writers and artists have something like writing rights in the collective story of a comic book universe, but also like in Bitcoin, there are limitations. Writers and artists are like the wallets in Warmkey's conception, adding sentences to the, to the Batman ledger. But editors are like Bitcoin nodes. Their job is, in part, to guard against continuity errors in Batman's history, making sure a new story doesn't contradict an old one, for example, and to make sure consensus gets maintained around Batman. There are an infinite number of Batman stories, but that infinite set is not unbounded. If a writer came in one day with a script where Bruce Wayne decides to open up the flower shop rather than fight crime, I would expect the editor would reject that particular story. Such a story, one might say, would break consensus about the character of Batman. We like a story in which a character surprises us, but only if it surprises us in a way that still feels right. That's the consensus part. Batman, caped chrysanthemum curator, would surprise readers in a bad way. Further, fur, rather, furthering Warmke's framework here, obviously, DC Comics is Batman's publisher, his equivalent of a mining network, but much more centralized. Diamond Comics Distributors is his internet, the Batman distribution network. This network keeps the thing that is Batman moving forward, a story that keeps growing. It's a much more interesting story than reading the Bitcoin ledger, and for different reasons, those stories have real value in the real world, but they are still just stories. At the end of the day, this is an ontological argument about what it means for something to exist, and Warmke has constructed a thought-provoking model here that might drive consensus around that, quote, is, unquote, question about Bitcoin. The next time people ask you what is Bitcoin, you can tell them it's a story that's written collectively by all of the Bitcoin hodlers. It gets more valuable the more people know about it, help write it, and the longer the story goes on. Inevitably, they will counter, how does that make any sense? To which we are currently prone to saying something like, look, money is a collective fiction too. That's usually taken as sort of a college sophomore level cliche. It rings hollow every time. But now you can say, obviously, it's just like Batman. That should get their attention. Okay. That's okay. I, I'm 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 kinda down with that. I, I can see that shit. No, seriously, I can see it. It it doesn't make it, it's not it's not outside the realm of possibility. You know, I've thought about this in, in, in varying ways myself before, but this puts a nice fine point on it. Um good job, Brady Dale. I enjoyed that very much. Thank you so much. Uh, Namcios is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. An unholy matrimony is what I'm calling it, but um, Namikos is saying, or Namcios is saying, Coinbase card users can now make Bitcoin payments and reap rewards with Apple Pay. Yeah, like I said, it's a marriage made in hell, but bullish. 
One of the leading U.S. Bitcoin exchanges, Coinbase, has announced today that users can now use the company's debit card offering called Coinbase Card with Apple Pay, according to a news release. Quote, you can now use your Coinbase card with Apple Pay and Google Pay to make it even easier to spend crypto at home or on the go. Starting this week, we'll invite select customers off of the wait list to begin earning up to 4% back in crypto rewards. End quote. The Coinbase card allows users to draw on their Coinbase balances of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to make purchases. The exchange automatically converts all cryptocurrencies to U.S. dollars and transfers the funds to the debit card, minus conversion fees for usage and purchases and ATM withdrawals. Guys, just use Fold. I'm serious. Just use the Fold card. You'll be happier that way for various reasons, but continuing. Starting next week, users will have the option to add their Coinbase card to Apple Pay as soon as they're approved for the card. As a result, Coinbase will indirectly allow millions of Americans to pay for their everyday purchases with Bitcoin through Apple Pay via their new feature. The news comes after Apple had recently shown interest in a cryptocurrency specialist through a recent job post, suggesting that the company may be working towards adding Bitcoin payments to Apple Pay. But until direct transactions become a reality, Coinbase users can already enjoy paying with Bitcoin while reaping some rewards. There are some caveats to the card's reward system. The user also has to pay a 2.75% fee for every Coinbase transaction. Yeah, you knew Brian was going to take some off the top. While the Bitcoin exchanges or exchange promises up to 4% back in rewards, that figure only applies to receiving non-Bitcoin cryptocurrencies. Good Jesus. Those who choose to use Bitcoin are awarded 1% back. So here's Brian Armstrong taking a giant dump on the very thing that made him a billionaire. Anyway, that would mean losing money after accounting for the card fees. However, if one expects the earned Bitcoin to outpace any other returns, regardless of percentage rewards earned, then this may not be necessary to take in consideration. In addition, if desired, Coinbase card users can avoid paying the debit card fee by using USDC. Coinbase's dollar peg stablecoin. More broadly, the combination of America's most widely used Bitcoin exchange with the most popular smartphone company in the country could spur a broader usage of Bitcoin debit cards, increasing payments made with Bitcoin inside of the USA. All right, so taking a giant dump <clears throat> on Bitcoin. He'll give you a 4% back if you use any shitcoin, but only 1% back if you use Bitcoin. Now, is that really Brian taking a giant dump on Bitcoin or is that just the economics of the situation because Brian, even Brian, knows that shit coins are not worth as much as Bitcoin is. I don't know. I don't I have no idea what the hell's going on through Brian Armstrong's mind at this point. I have never understood the man. I, I don't get it. I will probably never understand him, but whatever. Like I said, it's an unholy matrimony made in the depths of hell. However, it's still bullish. I got to admit, it's it's still bullish. So let's move on. Valid points. Why staking on ETH 2.0 is becoming lucrative for exchanges. Now, understand, I am reading this one or part of this one because it goes on into other, into other shit coinery that we don't need to understand, but this is important. The whole ETH 2.0 narrative is that you'll be able to stake your Ethereum and become a validator on that network. 
the sheer fact of the matter is, unless you're holding absolute shit tons of Ethereum, you ain't doing dick, okay? I mean, not a damn thing. Anyway, Christine Kim has this one from Coindesk. Earlier this month, ETH Global put on a month-long hackathon focused on Ethereum scalability, known as Scaling Ethereum. <clears throat> Most notably out of this event, a temporary test network for the Ethereum and Ethereum 2.0 merge was built. Last week, Coinbase hosted its annual Consensus Crypto Conference, and just this past weekend, ETH Global hosted another hackathon centered on innovations for a Web3 world. This week, we look at the phrase Web3, or what Web3 means, and why development is so important to Ethereum. But first, let's take a look at some data and figures around the staking industry of crypto. Okay, here we go, man. As of Tuesday, June the 1st, the rough breakdown of network stakeholders on the Ethereum 2.0 beacon chain looks a little something like this. So it looks like there's, uh, let's see, exchanges are holding 27.7% of all the stuff. Staking pools considerably less at 20.2%. Whales only make up 10% and everything else is literally uh, is, is others. And that's 43% of depositors. So right now, because we don't know what the hell others is, if you thought you were a whale, you're getting smoked by exchanges. Why is that important? We'll get down, we'll get to it in a second here. Drilling down into the specifics, the largest exchange staking on ETH 2.0 is Kraken, with controls of roughly 14% of Ethereum deposits. The second largest exchange in control of 10% is Binance. Staking is becoming increasingly lucrative service for cryptocurrency exchanges to run. Even Coinbase, the largest publicly traded North American-based crypto exchange, is investing heavily into its staking services, as evidenced by its recent acquisition of staking startup Bison Trails. Quote, Staking's popularity is the natural outcome of an asset class growing in maturity. Jeremy Welch, Kraken's vice president of product, said in an interview with Coindesk, Quote, whereas three years ago, hodlers were mainly invested or interested in securing short-term gains, many are now confident locking up tokens to earn passive income. Why? Conviction is growing in the longevity of crypto assets as a respectable new asset class. End quote. Staking as a service platform staked, <laughs> staked reported in April that over uh, Q1 2021, the total market cap of proof-of-stake blockchains grew 151%. As of the end of March, POS blockchains made up one-fifth of the entire market capitalization of the crypto industry. Projecting earnings across these POS networks, including ETH 2.0, are expected to be close to $19 billion by the end of this year. Speaking to growth of the staking industry, staked quarter two 2021 report said, quote, in every case, staking provided better returns than simply holding or hot holding the asset. Stakers earned an additional yield of roughly four between somewhere between 4% and 34% in one quarter. These rates compete directly with the interest crypto holders are also able to earn on centralized and decentralized lending markets. In a world of rock-bottom interest rates in the traditional finance in industry, could cryptocurrencies be the alternative that investors turn to for higher yields? Well, potentially. 
Although, as we'll discuss in New Frontiers, the world of crypto assets is nascent and still very much in the process of development. I'm not going to get into the New Frontiers, okay? Because they're talking about Ethereum as Web <coughs> Web 3.0 or th Web 3 or something like that. And honestly, I just call complete bullshit. And I'm calling bullshit on the staking thing too. And I'm not calling bullshit on the numbers, right? I don't really care what the numbers are. The point is, staking is going to be controlled by exchanges. It's not going to be controlled by whales or your, like I've got, like, let's say I've got 10 Ethereum in my wallet. If, and I, and I, if I stake it, I'm going to have to stake it with a service, which means not your keys, not your shitcoin. I mean, this, that even applies for shitcoins, okay? And therefore, the people that are staking the Ethereum for you, and it's not just Ethereum, it's any of these proof of, proof of stake chains, they're the ones that have control. What do we have now? Well, we have a complete copy of the legacy financial system instantiated in digital format. That's what all this is. You will have no control. You will not get anything for it. You will be at the behest of people who quote unquote know better than you because they have a degree or some such validator on their end that says that they, the decisions they make are better decisions than you can make. And you're going to end up staking your piece of shit or POS coin with them for a yield. That's going to be the carrot. And the stick is they're going to increase the monetary supply because they're the validators of the fucking chain. If you don't understand what's going on, I, I cannot help you. There have been many people in this space, Bitcoiners especially, that have been speaking out against proof of stake as a concept, a theory, and the system. It's not good. All it is, is the exact same thing that Bitcoin was designed to get away from. And yet, here we are. Why does this occur? If we go back to the whole story of Batman story that I was reading at the first, like up at the head of the show, that what story are we telling ourselves? Why do we never seem to have the impetus to be able to break out of a really bad fiction. And this proof of stake stuff is a really bad fiction. All it's doing is instantiating the fiction of the fiat world that we've had to deal with, our parents dealt with, our grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents have all had to deal with. And it's brought us to here. And if you look around, ask yourself the question, does here is is rather is here a place that you want to be with covid and meat packing places becoming cyber hacked which oh god i should probably include that at the end of the show but i don't know if i'll have time jbs uh, is a major meat supplier <clears throat> in the us i'll just i'll just talk about it a little bit here uh, JBS is a major meat supplier in the United States. It appears that they've been cyber hacked as far as the same way that the Colonial Pipeline has been was hacked. And it wasn't the pipeline that was hacked. It was their invoicing system was hacked. So therefore, they shut down the pipeline because there was no way to invoice the customers and there was no way for them to prove that the customers paid them for the gas. Same thing's happening with the meatpacking industry at this point, at least as far as JBS is concerned. Now... <clears throat> 
I won't get into my tinfoil hattery on that because I think there's something going on at levels that are much higher than a bunch of black hat hackers sitting in mom's basement sucking on hot pockets. I actually think this is more up, you know, upper echelons like Bill Gates because he has a huge, huge <clears throat> investment in like Beyond Meat and meat substitutes, basically vat grown meat and plant soy based meat. So I, that's who I think it is. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's Gates himself, but that cadre of people, that's who I think is doing all this. I think they're responsible for the colonial pipeline I, or yeah, colonial pipeline. I think that, you know, if we were to look hard enough, we'd find out that a lot of the major hacking that's gone on over the last few months, if not a couple of years, is directly attributable to industry leaders and not guys sucking on hot pockets in their freaking mom's basement. But in the story of the JBS meatpacking plant, there's a line that is a quote from somebody that's being interviewed in the story that says, well, we may not see higher prices on meat immediately in the supermarkets, but it's probably going to happen. So is this also a way to get, you know, inflation to be acceptable? Oh, well, they got hacked. And of course, meat's going to be more expensive later on because the supply line got disrupted. Supply lines have been disrupted all over COVID. I'm, I'm serious, guys. I might as well go ahead and just have a full three-piece suit made out of tinfoil along with, you know, a nice, I don't know, maybe a, a dashing tinfoil boulder to wear on my head. I, yeah, at least I'll look nice when I go to tinfoil hat church. I, the whole thing is bull, bullshit. But again, back to staking. Look, staking your Ethereum isn't going to do anything for you, but it's going to do everything for whatever exchange you choose to stake in your stead. And we're right back to a bullshit fiat economy I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to do it. This is why I Bitcoin. It certainly isn't why I Dogecoin because apparently, well, apparently Musk is opening his mouth again and Brian Armstrong weighed in as well. Dogecoin surges 40% on the back of Coinbase Pro listing and Musk tweets. So if you're wondering why we've got a Dogecoin pump yet again in the face of all the bullshit, this, this is why. Uh, meme cryptocurrency Dogecoin gained more than 40% early on Tuesday morning following its listing on Coinbase Pro and yet another flurry of tweets from self-appointed Doge spokesperson Elon Musk. Coinbase announced the listing of Dogecoin on its pro trader platform Coinbase Pro on Monday, sparking a swift revival in the coin's fortunes. Doge's price sank 59% over the course of the previous month following the wider market crash in early March. On Tuesday, the coin's price jumped from 31.3 pennies to 43.9 pennies in the hours following the Coinbase announcement, resulting in 40% growth overnight. <coughs> Coinbase is now accepting inbound deposits in anticipation of Dogecoin trading starting in earnest on Thursday. Assuming enough liquidity is present, trading will commence across five trading pairs, Doge USD, BTC, Euro, British, uh, British Great, uh, Great British Pound, and the USDT pairs. 
Tesla's Musk may have lent further exposure to Doge on Tuesday when he posted yet another Dogecoin meme. This time, the meme showed the eponymous dog huddled over a 1980s computer setup accompanied by the caption, quote, I'll have to keep my passion hidden from the public or I'll be socially ostracized, end quote. Oh, poor Elon Musk. Musk also retweeted an old Dogecoin meme he first tweeted in 2020, depicting the dog sweeping across the world as it replaces the existing financial system. In between moving the coin price of both Dogecoin and Bitcoin, Musk has also taken care to remind his 56 million Twitter followers that he isn't officially connected to the project in any way and that his ability to affect change on it was limited. So if you were wondering what the hell happened, as I was, because I was going, what the hell is going on with Doge? Because I hadn't seen anybody say anything about a must tweet or anything. So it wasn't until this morning that I sat down to prep the show that I figured out, oh, it's Brian Armstrong and Elon Musk and yet another type of unholy matrimony. Hey, let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids are on fire again today. West Texas Intermediate up almost a full point to $68.36 a barrel. Brent North Sea is also up a full point, $70.98 for a barrel of that. Natural gas is completely sideways, but is still trading at $3.10 for a thousand cubic feet of that. Shiny metal rocks are mixed. Gold is up 0.14%, is coming in at $1,907. Uh, silver is down 0.2, platinum is down a half a point, copper is down 0.62%, palladium is up, but basically going sideways. Agricultural futures as well are mixed. Do we have any major movers? No, we do not. The, basically, wheat is up almost a full point. Everything else is, you know, riding up and down between 0 and 1%. Let's see here. Indices. Dow futures showing uh, early strength up 0.24%, S&P futures up 0.21, NASDAQ futures up 0.15, and the S&P mini up a quarter of a point. All the prices of treasury bonds got pushed up, but you know, pretty much like 0.1% and below. Now, real money, we got Bitcoin coming in at $37,314.26. <clears throat> Two hundred forty-four thousand nine hundred and eighty-six transactions were performed in the last twenty-four hours. That's ten thousand two hundred transactions every hour on the hour. We've had four hundred twenty-four thousand BTC sent in the last twenty-four hours, and that is seventeen thousand BTC being sent on average per hour. Average transaction value is one point seven three BTC, and the median transaction value is zero point zero two five BTC, right at nine hundred and fifty bucks. Block times are low. Nine minutes, no, nine minutes flat. Wow. 0.31 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 50 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a 4.5% bump on hash rate. We are back up to 154.4 exahashes per second. And as we talked about, your Dogecoin, or rather shitcoin indicator being Dogecoin is at sitting at 42 cents. <laughs> I still got rid of all my doge at 44 to 45 cents. So <laughs> still murdered that trade, in my opinion, considering that I bought it for like sub one penny or something like that, or right out a penny. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, uh, 
Ah, oh, God. You know, I thought I I thought I was going to keep that bag because it was always going to be just a bag of shit, and I was going to use it. I was going to use Doge as my reminder of what shit coinery did. And that I was, you know, basically just flat, and, and it was just bullshit forever and ever. And, and who knew that of all things in the world, it was going to be Doge. So I got rid of my bags. I, I, I said I was going to do it, and then I told you when I did it, which was a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to make sure that you understood that I sold my Doge somewhere between 44 and 45 cents per coin, all right? So if you want to, you know, murder me for quote-unquote selling the top, go right ahead. But I did warn everybody that I was going to do it because I didn't want to hold this shit anymore. Now, the mempool is clear. So uh, certain people have lost bets as to whether or not it was going to clear. <clears throat> 5,940 transactions are, are waiting on only four blocks to clear. I'd say that's a pretty clear mempool, just, just saying. Bitcoin has a market capitalization of $695.8 billion. That's 5.6% of gold's entire market cap. And you can get 19.6 ounces of shiny metal rocks for one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,724,629 of. Clark Moody is showing a price of $37,160 for that. 1,407.1 BTC are in the Lightning Network for a capacity value of $52.3 million, and that's being run over 11,635 Lightning nodes with 47,876 channels. <clears throat> the uh, percentage of Tor capacity has shot up yet again. We're at an, another all-time high. 62.3% of the Lightning Network is now being run over Tor. And that is going to contain 876.63 BTC, run over 5,929 Tor nodes that we know about. Taproot activation, ladies and gentlemen, say hello to 98.45%. Also say hello to Marathon DH, the pool that until recently was only going to, you know, mine OFAC compliant Basically, bootlicking transactions is, is what they probably should be called. And they are still, after five mined blocks on Mara Pool, they are not signaling for Taproot. How long does it take, people? How long does it take? That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. UK's Starling Bank temporarily suspends fund transfers to crypto exchanges. Bushan Alakar has this one from CoinGape. Eh, amid the rising financial crimes taking place in the United Kingdom, banks have been holding up transfers to crypto exchanges and suspending payments. A similar incident recently happened in India before the RBI issued its latest clarification. In the latest development, UK's major banking institutions like Barclays, Monzo, and Starling restricted its users from transferring money to crypto exchanges <clears throat> such, as big, as, such as Swiss Borg and Binance. Speaking to The Telegraph, the Starling Bank spokesperson said, quote, this is a temporary measure. Yeah, we're temporarily closing the gold window, guys. This is a temporary measure that we've taken to protect customers. Bullshit. This is not just an issue for Starling, but all banks. 
We apologize for the inconvenience that this has caused for some customers. We will be reversing this measure as we roll out additional checks specifically for payments to crypto exchanges. So special AML KYC just for you crypto guys. However, the bank has assured that this is a temporary measure. Yeah, right. And they shall resume crypto transfers ahead this month on June 23rd onwards. Okay, we shall see. The UK regulatory authorities have initiated measures to control the surge in crypto scams amid the rising market. Over the last year, UK crypto investors have reportedly lost 60 million pounds in social media-driven crypto scams. Earlier this year, UK's top most regulator financial conduct authority, the FCA, warned investors about crypto scams. And they said, quote, the FCA is aware of some firms offering investments in crypto assets or lending or investments linked to crypto assets that promise high returns. Investing in crypto assets or investments and lending linked to them generally involve taking very high risks with investors' money. If consumers invest in these types of products, they should be prepared to lose all of their money." End quote. The FCA has also warned that a large number of firms in the crypto sector have failed to implement KYC and AML laws to prevent its customers from falling prey to such crypto scam schemes. Uh, British bank NatWest recently started sending scam alerts for its mobile app users. So there you go. Temporary, nothing is more temporary than a government or more permanent than a temporary closure of something by the government, right? Now, Scott Meenard, being the disingenuous bastard that he is, <clears throat> Scott Menard or Meenard or however you pronounce his name is like, I don't know, the head honcho over at Guggenheim. And uh, uh, recently called Bitcoin, well, recently called Bitcoin a scam, and then Guggenheim bought Bitcoin, and then Guggenheim sold Bitcoin, and then Scott Maynard came out and said something bad about Bitcoin yet again, and guess where we are? We're on the flop stage, okay? So he flipped, and he flopped, and he flipped, and he flopped, and we're back to flipped or flopped, depending on whatever. Helen Parts has it for Cointelegraph. Guggenheim's New fund may seek exposure to Bitcoin, an SEC filing shows. Global investment firm Guggenheim Investments has filed with the SEC for a new fund that may seek exposure to Bitcoin. According to a Tuesday filing, the new Guggenheim Active Allocation Fund will be a diversified closed-end management investment fund that may seek investment exposure to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin through cash-settled derivatives instruments. Such instruments include exchange-traded futures, investment tool offering exposure to BTC as well as other cryptocurrencies through direct investments or indirect exposure such as derivative contracts, the filing notes. The company stated that the fund's exposure to crypto can result in substantial losses to the fund, citing a number of risks associated with the industry. Quote, Cryptocurrency is a new technological innovation with a limited history. It is a highly speculative asset and future regulatory actions or policies may limit, perhaps to a materially adverse extent, the value of the fund's indirect investment in cryptocurrency and the ability to exchange a cryptocurrency or utilize it for payments, In quote. That's a cover-your-ass statement if I've ever heard one. According to the document, Guggenheim's chief investment officer, Scott Minard, will be responsible for the day-to-day -day management of the fund's portfolio alongside assistant CIO and book Walter Walsh, managing director Steve Brown and director Adam Bloch. 
Last year, Guggenheim placed another SEC filing stating that its Guggenheim Macro Opportunities Fund may seek investment exposure to Bitcoin indirectly through investing up to 10% of its net asset value in grayscale Bitcoin trust. Meenard is known for his somewhat mixed stance on crypto and Bitcoin as the executive referred to the crypto market as tulip mania after Bitcoin sank to nearly $30,000 on May the 19th. Uh, let's see. On, yeah, on May 19th. Despite comparing the crypto industry to a financial bubble, Meenard is still bullish on Bitcoin in the long term, predicting earlier this year that BTC can potentially hit $600,000. Why Cointelegraph didn't further, you know, stretch that out to include the, the first purchase of Bitcoin and then the subsequent sale of Bitcoin directly by Guggenheim, I will not know. But, you know, Cointelegraph is Cointelegraph, and as of late, they've been a little sketchy. Like yesterday, I read a story about them saying that 50,000 people were going to attend the Bitcoin conference in Miami. And I also said that only 12,000 tickets had been printed and sold, so I was still in question as to how 50,000 people were going. Uh, got confirmation from one of the event organizers as a reply to the tweet that I sent out yesterday about this, that indeed... They're not sure how the hell Cointelegraph got got a hold of the number of 50,000 either because confirming they only had 12,000 tickets. So we're all wondering what the hell's going on with Cointelegraph. Whatever, who gives a shit? Retail Bitcoin holders with a balance of between 0.01 and 0.1 of Bitcoin reaches a new high. Retail Bitcoin investors seem to be making the most of the buying opportunity that the recent dip has brought as a number of wallets holding between those balances has reached a new all-time high. By the way, this is CoinGape and it's Prashant Jha writing for us. Bitcoin price registered its biggest correction this bull season with a price retraction of 50% from the top during last month's market sell-off. The sell-off became a perfect opportunity for new entrants to foray into the crypto market, and the growing number of addresses of retail investors suggest that retail investors are not selling their Bitcoin yet. The top cryptocurrency more than tripled its 2017 high of near 20,000 over the past six months, rising from 12K at the end of November and reached a new all-time high of 64,686. Last month's market correction correction wiped more than $500 billion from the crypto market amid panic selling and over-leveraged trading. Bitcoin price uh, is currently trading above 36,000 and trying to get past the key resistance of 40,000 before its path to recovery and further move up. Bitcoin whales have started accumulating again, indicating a bullish signal as whales often tend to influence the market with their large holdings. One particular whale caught the attention of many as it dumped a significant portion of its holdings at the near top. Crypto analysts have suggested that the recent market sell-off wasn't a price top and such large corrections are part of the bull run as the market can't keep going up without pullbacks. The top price prediction for this bull market has ranged from anywhere between $75,000 to $130,000 as the price was aided by widespread adoption from retail as well as institutions. Bitcoin is currently forming a triangle on the long-term chart and a move up from here could take it to $40,000 levels and a downtrend could push it to sub-20K levels. 
Yeah, I don't know what to talk about. The people calling for 15000 and 12000 I don't know, man. I'm just along, at this point, I'm kind of along for the ride. I, I Let's just, you know, I, I'm in it for number go up technology and, you know, I don't freedom money. Seriously, it is freedom money because they can't take it from me. And whatever. China, on the other hand, China, let's get into China. <clears throat> Helen Parts has it from Cointelegraph. Apparently, China is, I don't know, maybe they're just doing the bread and circus thing and they're at the bread part right now. But they're going to hand out $6.2 million in new digital yuan as yet another trial of their digital currency starts in Beijing. The Chinese government is launching another digital yuan lottery to stimulate its ongoing digital currency trials. This time in Beijing, the Beijing Local Financial Supervision and Administration officially announced Tuesday that the government would distribute 40 million digital yuan or $6.2 million U.S. to Beijing residents as part of a new digital currency pilot. Starting in June, the program features red envelopes a traditional way of gifting money with each providing a free online wallet containing 200 digital yuan or $31. The red envelopes will be distributed to 200,000 lottery winners who must download an application to use their prizes at nearly 2,000 designated merchants in the city. In order to register, consumers can use two banking apps, China's mobile banking app and ICBC mobile banking app. According to the announcement, Beijing residents should apply to participate in the lottery until midnight on June the 7th, while the winners will be able to spend their prizes by June the 20th. Users will be able to top up their wallets if they want to spend some extra money, the announcement notes. The government has carried out multiple digital yuan giveaways in other cities, including Shenzhen. These lotteries intend to help the People's Bank of China test the country's digital currency after the central bank launched the first digital yuan trials in April of 2020. China has reportedly given away as much as 150 million digital yuan, or $23.5 million U.S., in order to promote digital currency use as part of the trials as of late March. As previously reported, China's central bank is looking to allow foreign athletes and visitors to use the digital yuan during the Beijing Winter Olympics in 2022. Okay, this is terrible. 2,000 accepted merchants. You can't spend it anywhere except with the people they approve of. And this shit can come with an expiration date. So if you don't spend your money by a certain date, it just goes poof. Okay, first of all, this is why cash. And second, this is why I Bitcoin. When Satoshi said peer-to-peer digital cash, it didn't necessarily mean be able to pay for coffee. It basically meant cash that nobody can steal from you. Cash that you can use at non-approved places with non-approved people for non-approved transactions that's cash. Handing a, a, like five, a $5 or, or at this point, a $10 bill for a latte at Starbucks, uh, that's, yes, that can be considered part of what cash is, but that's not all of what cash is. We're seeing the demise of, we're, we're literally seeing the complete dissolution of the link between those that are supposed to care for the people and the people that they're supposed to care for. At this point, I don't think government gives literally shit one 
about the citizenry of the country that they are the government of. And this is evidence of that. <clears throat> 2,000 approved vendors, y'all. They can't spend it just anywhere. They got to spend it with these guys who are quote unquote approved by the crown, you know, knighted by the king in the presence of God. All that bullshit is all coming back. It's fucking serfdom, dude. This has nothing to do with freedom. This has nothing to do with, you know, China making it easier to spend your money. That has, that is as far away from the truth as possible. The truth is you're a slave. They are your slave masters. You are lucky <clears throat> to get anything out of them. You must kiss their feet that they are allowing you, allowing you to have 2,000 vendors that they have quote unquote approved of and knighted as sovereigns in the presence of God. Don't buy it. Don't just run away as fast as you possibly can. Now, <clears throat> decrypt. Uh, I'm start. I'm just. If you've got other news sources about Bitcoin, not shit coins, not fucking NFTs. If you've got news sources that you find credible, like websites about Bitcoin, please, for the love of God, send them to me. My DMs are open. I'm on Twitter at B-E-N-N-D-7-7. That's B-E-N-N-D-7-7. Please re help me replace people like Decrypt. Now, here's the reason I'm going to read this one. <clears throat> Just like Cointelegraph yesterday pulled that bullshit where they said 50,000 people were going to the crypto conference in Miami, and then in the very next sentence said, gave the name of the conference as Bitcoin 2021. It's the Bitcoin conference. They have it in their own damn piece. Well, the same shit is going on with Decrypt. Okay, so I'm literally reporting on the media at this point through this piece by Liam Frost writing for Decrypt. Goldman Sachs Commodities Chief calls Bitcoin digital copper. They called, the headline says Bitcoin and they're calling it digital copper. Okay, well, let's find out more. Despite the popularity of Bitcoin's digital gold narrative, cryptocurrencies share more with a much different kind of metal, argued Jeff Curry, the head of commodities at Goldman Sachs. Quote, digital currencies are not substitutes to gold. If anything, they may be a substitute to copper. Let's stop right there. Decrypt. The headline is, Goldman Sachs commodities chief calls Bitcoin digital copper. The actual quote, digital currencies are not substitutes to gold. If anything, they're a substitute for copper. Digital currencies, not just Bitcoin. Basically, he's calling, this, he's calling this out as the crypto space. Decrypt made a conscious decision to say that he said this about Bitcoin. That's what's called being disingenuous. That's what's called being unethical. And I'm not going to read the rest of this piece. Fuck you, Liam Frost. Fuck you, Decrypt. Fuck you, Cointelegraph. All of you people need to burn because you're misrepresenting everything so that you can push your own bullshit. I'm holding, clearly holding bags of shitcoin narrative. Get it through your head. 
we have people in this space that are masquerading as crypto guys or crypto out news outlets. All they're doing is pushing a narrative at this point. This is unethical. Liam Frost, if you're listening, you are unethical. If you did not, if you're the one that wrote this headline and then went on to write the body of the, uh, of the article, then you are unethical. If your editor changed the title of your piece and you just wrote the body of it and you didn't fight, then you are still a fraud. If you see a fraud and you don't say it's a fraud, then you are a fraud. This piece is fraudulent. This piece is unethical. This piece is immoral. Decrypt at this point is nothing but an NFT pushing bag of shit. And I probably am going to have to, I'm probably going to have to pull them completely off my list because I can't trust any article that I start reading from them. It's pissing me off. How hard is this, people? How hard is it to just all come together under one banner? Is that part of the human condition? Must we always fragment? Are we doomed to be in small groups fighting with each other for the rest of time? And if so, how is this not hell? I mean, honestly, can you really at this point wonder if, you know, say without, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that life on earth is not just a living hell? Because we're always fragmented. We're always fighting. We're always bashing each other with sticks. We're always getting mad at each other. We're always lying to each other, as is evidenced by this decrypt piece. Goldman Sachs said nothing about Bitcoin. He was basically saying the entire crypto space, which includes Bitcoin. But decrypt, they're the ones that actually printed the word, words, chief calls Bitcoin digital copper. But the chief didn't say the word Bitcoin. He said digital currencies and or cryptocurrencies. Just be aware of who the enemy is and how they operate. Decrypt at this point is an enemy that's going to do it for the morning roundup. We're going to need a joke. And I got one for you from Dad Says Jokes. What do you call two guys hanging from your window? Curtain rod. Hey, if you guys want to help me out with the show, you know what to do. Spread the word, spread the show, spread the thing, spread your arms, give me a big hug, and listen to the podcast on the Breeze Wallet because they got a podcasting app inside the actual wallet itself. You just put some Satoshis on there, and then you go to the podcasting app portion of the app, it Breeze, and that's B-R-E-E-Z, and you can listen to this show and at the exact same time on a minute-per-minute basis, stream me Satoshis. Yesterday, and oh my God, somebody streamed me a shit ton of Satoshis. It was actually amazing. In fact, if I can bring it up here for a second, somebody streamed me in, well, they didn't stream me. Uh, Well, they were streaming, somebody was streaming me 45 sats every minute while they were listening to the show. In my opinion, that's a very expensive proposition if you look at the price of Satoshis versus the dollar in the future, which I think is going to be a lot uh, but this one guy sent me 101,000 Satoshis. If you're listening to this, I can't thank you enough. That's a lot of money. 
even at today's Satoshi conversion rate into US dollars, that's a lot of Satoshis. I appreciate it. Somebody else sent me 5,640 Satoshis. To you, if it's not the same person that sent me the 101,520 Satoshis, I also thank you. If it's the same guy, dude, you're being more than generous. If you want to support the show, this is the way you support the show. It's not that I don't want advertisers. I just don't want to read 10 minutes worth of advertisements to you guys. Not because I don't want to do it. If I want to advertise, I I want the show to be self-sufficient so that I can give a couple of free 15 second to 30 second spots to people like Play Shamari. You know, other guys that are trying to make it in the space for free. You know, not not to screw up anybody's, you know, model. I'm not going to do 10 minutes of free commercials because I don't want to annoy the living freaking fire out of everybody. But I do want to like be able to, you know, give a plug for Infinite Fleet for 15 seconds and not have to worry about whether or not they pay me, whether or not I sent them an updated fee schedule, you know, or or talk to Scott over at Play Shamari and say and, and beg him for, you know, a 10% cut on any deck of cards that I'm able to pedal for them with some kind of fucking ref code. I just want to be able to tell you to get play Charmory and play it with your kids because kids love that game. I got to play it with my kids this week because we haven't played it in a while. It's fun. I want to be able to do that for free, but I can't do that shit for free unless I can get some public support. And I'd rather it be coming from you guys because I know you love me instead of somebody who's just giving me money because I'm doing shit for him, okay? If So if you can support the show that way, that's great. If not, a five-star review on Apple, iTunes, you know, share the show when I announce the show on Twitter, retweet those tweets, That all that helps. And I need help. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.